Hello again, friends. The great Brian Last here. You there. We're back with another special edition, a breaking news edition of whatever show this is. And of course, joining me, Mr. Jim Cornette. <laughs> tell, them, tell them what's actually going on. There's so much we're going in, on. We're in the middle of recording a podcast where we're talking about all the goddamn wrestling that they're foisting off on us this weekend alone. And this is not that podcast because we've stopped watching that wrestling and recording that podcast, the Jim Cornette Experience, by the way, for those of you who are so inclined to listen, to record this podcast that can't wait because the moral of the story, Brian, is that sometimes the bad guys win. I think back to a song that Mama Cornette used to sing to me when I was just a little boy, and I would do something that, that would flummox her, and she would be verklempt, and she would say, they're coming to take me away, ha ha, hee hee, ho ho, to the funny farm. Of course. And there's the phone ringing. <laughs> Who could this be? Wait a minute. Hello, caller, you're on the air. If you can identify our 93.5 song in the next five seconds, you'll win $5,000. They can't identify it. Oh. oh, well. Anyway, where were we? They're coming to take me away, haha. Oh, he, 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 he oh, oh, to the funny farm. Yeah. All the way there. Because yeah, it is enough to make a person question their sanity, the things that go on in that snow globe of a wrestling company that Tony Khan, the real-life Richie Rich, has put together based on his teenage fantasies of when he apparently... I thought everybody that had a billion dollars or at least had a family that had a billion dollars could get, like, regular pussy... And and jet off to the fucking Riviera and do drugs with Mick Jagger. He was sitting in his fucking basement collecting action figures and booking them. And now he's found out that with the hundred million dollars that his dad gave him, so that he could see him spend it and have fun with it before he died, that he's collected the real life action figures, and they don't just fucking do their kung fu grip when you press the fucking button on their back. They're really interacting with people like normal fucking wrestlers. And he can't handle it. And he can't control it. And now he's fucked around and dumbed himself out of his biggest star and the only one that was moving the fucking ratings. And the only one that was moving the pay-per-views. He has basically dumbed himself out of, out of the business. He's killed Chicago. They booed him like a goddamn terrorist, for fuck's sake, when he was out there on stage trying to tell those people his tale of sorrow and woe. And nobody's talking about his company doing 80,000 people anymore. They're talking about him being an idiot and fired his biggest star because he fucking front-face-locked a preliminary guy. 
I don't know. I don't know if that's right the reason. I, I don't know if that's the reason, considering we're now hearing that he lunged at Tony Khan and the statement from Tony Khan. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. may not be the reason that Tony Khan well, fired him. No, the reason Tony Khan fired him, and we're going to play this hostage statement that was... By the way, we should probably say that. What we're talking about here is, and we have the statement, we have a written statement and a statement you could hear, various other things, but Tony Khan, AEW, have fired CM Punk. We didn't say that yet, did we? No, we, you just went off. We just assumed that everybody would know, because that's the only thing that anybody's talking about, about this fucking ridiculous romper room of a company. So, yes, he's fired CM Punk hours before the collision at the United Center that was to set up the pay-per-view that is, as we speak tonight at the United Center, Punk's hometown, that he is now killed as a market for AEW when it was maybe their best one because of Punk. It was the first one. And he, he makes it a couple of hours before the show on the internet and then opens the program, stood up against the green screen, reading from the teleprompter, a statement that whoever really made this decision has written out for him. And we obviously, by the wording, it's the attorneys, it's the legal staff. Also, but we know it's the AEW legal staff, because the wording is fucking, the syntax is tortured and the grammar is disemboweled. But he read it like he was reading it for the first time. Because he didn't make this decision. Because it was all worded by the attorneys because they are apparently convinced in their minds that Punk is going to sue their fucking asses and they're trying to set up a defense already. I disagree with you. This is absolutely Tony's decision, but he's letting the legal team write this because of the threat of the lawsuit. We're at this point now because Tony decided this is the point. Well, so Tony finally made a decision, you think? I thought whoever really calls the shots over there is the one that would make a decision this big. Well, the one who, we know the one who really calls the shots is Tony's dad and he's not involved. Well, that's why I thought somebody may have put the fucking foot down. Or, you know, I'm thinking, because Megan, you know, Megan, the head legal beagle over there, she's been involved in this since the start, because she was one of the people that burst into his locker room along with the buckaroos and their ilk and started the whole goddamn deal a year ago. And we know that Megan is close to the Bucks, not as close as she is to some of the boys. Why don't you actually she's say your name so people know who you're talking about? The head of legal, Megan... Mega. What? It's not Megan. Mega. What's her last name? Parikh. Well, I thought it was Parrot. Megan Parrot. But nevertheless, like I said, she's close to the Bucks, closer to some of the boys. Some of the boys are so close, they're almost coming out the other side of her, from what I understand. But nevertheless, that's who has been leading this charge. Is she on the, the discipline legal... committee? Well, hold on. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. She's been leading the charge. She's been the one that was screwing up contracts because she's in charge of AEW legal, trying to throw stumbling blocks in the way of bringing Punk back with messing around with the A-Steel employment and et cetera. She's the one who's been trying to collect evidence for her friends, the Buckaroos, all along. And she's the one who I'm sure had a big hand or whatever other appendage she wanted to put in in wording this so that 
a jury, when the lawsuit eventually happens, will go, oh my God, Tony was so scared. Tony was so scared. The night that he saw his first fight, it was traumatizing for the boy. See, that's the biggest problem. We'll get to, there's so many different things to talk about here. CM Punk has plenty to be blamed for. The Elite had plenty to be blamed for. Jungle Boy has plenty to be blamed for. But at the end of the day, this is all Tony Khan's fault. Tony Khan could have stepped in and done something a year and a half ago, and he didn't. He could have done something before and after All Out last year. He didn't. This all comes back to Tony Khan allowing this to happen, possibly wanting it to happen, and then not being able to deal with it when it happened. And it happened right in front of him. And he still had to do an investigation. And uh, boy, I'd like to see the written notes of all those interviews and the investigation that was, that was done by the independent legal team of who and who. Who were the independent legal people in charge of this investigation? What did this investigation consist of? And, and, do, they, and do they work for your father? And do they work for your father? And who's the one that interviewed Tony since apparently he was sitting close enough to be scared about the whole thing? And I, before we go into any other of what actually happened, let me just say this. And this is without hyperbole or exaggeration or comedic effect or whatever. As a booker, as a promoter, what would I have done if I'm sitting at the gorilla position and this happens from the jungle Jack Perry screaming into the camera, hey, it's real glass, cry me a river, all the way through to him coming back and the interaction with him and Punk and Punk putting a front face lock on him and knocking a bunch of shit over. Here's exactly what I would have done. I would have had somebody find me a room where I could go sit down with both of these fucking morons whoever it may have been, and I would said, hey, number one, you, Perry, what the fuck are you doing? We already had a goddamn issue, and I thought it was resolved over the glass spot. Now you're fucking mouthing off on camera something that none of the fans would give a shit about or understand except for if they read the newsletters, and it has nothing to do with my business except detrimentally. So what the fuck are you doing? And you knew he was going to be standing here and fucking watching it because you're a shit disturber. He's my biggest star. You're not. Now, Punk, what did he say to you to make you put the front face lock on him? Well, I asked him if we had a problem and he fucking was a smart ass to me. Okay, Perry. Sounds like you're lucky that he only front face locked you instead of mashing your nose all over your face. I remind you, he's my star and you're not. Get your shit and go to the hotel and don't do this shit again or I'll fire you. And punk, not only don't front face lock anybody else, but don't knock over any more of my monitors because they're expensive. Go have your fucking match. Then go back to the hotel. And then go back to the hotel. What, what the fuck? What else do you need to do? What else do, would you need to do? 
They're wrestlers. If you're going to run your fucking mouth about another wrestler, if the other wrestler comes and fucking does something about it, well, now we're even. It's only if the other side didn't get to do anything that we're not even and that shit's going to fester. So you ran your dick liquor and you got put in a face lock for it. I assume we're all done. Can, can one of you tell me we're not done? If the one that says we're not done, okay, then stand back up and see who can get the next fucking face lock. Otherwise, we're done. Does any of this happen if Jungle Boy doesn't send a message into the camera? No. What? Why would Punk have, have picked that particular point if he'd have just gone out and had his match, Perry, and come back? Why would Punk have picked that point to say, we got a problem? Or what the fuck? Why? No, he wouldn't have. Right. <clears throat> Here's another thing. When they had the original fucking beef over the glass spot, we've already established. And now Uncle Dave's trying to put out the story, oh, it was cleared by AEW. Then why did all those fucking AEW personnel come up to Punk and say, hey, this fucking little entitled ass wife won't listen to us. Go fucking tell him what we're doing. So that happened. Do you think that Punk immediately the next day or whenever it was had to go over and say, oh, I got to go tell every journalist, every reporter, every news outlet what I had to do to stop dickhead here from going through a fucking windshield the other day? No, because it was a insignificant part of his fucking life and he didn't give a shit. There was no reason for him to go. So who? how did the story get out? Story got out from whiny boy whining to his other whiny little bitch friends who then whined to their little bitch friendly reporters. Well, we don't know how this story got out there. Do you the original The punk, original glass story. I'm not saying it's punk, but we don't know where. Story. But we don't know where. How else does it get out? It didn't come from punk's point I'm making. It is, then it, if it didn't come from Perry, it came from the other people that are goddamn fed up with dealing with Perry. And once they say, Jesus Christ, we had to go get Punk to tell him not to do this shit. The point is, in every room right now, in AEW specifically, but maybe even WWE, someone's immediately running and texting someone to tell them their perspective of what's happening or their view of what's happening. Or the view they want people in the public to have of what's happening. Or the view that benefits them. Yeah. So that's, again, if Perry hadn't fucking mouthed off and just gone and done his garbage pre-show match, then nothing would have happened. And if nothing would have happened, then Punk would be on the pay-per-view tonight in the United Center in Chicago and people wouldn't be fucking all over Twitter and all over Chicago and all over the wrestling world going, Tony Khan is a fucking dickless pussy. He's brought this on himself. And I said at the top of the thing, sometimes the bad guys win. It's actually, it's a win for everybody except the fans. And Tony, Punk doesn't have to put up with these fucking children anymore. He's old, he's tired, he's hurt, and he works with children. Well, he don't have to fucking work with children, and he don't have to get hurt anymore from working with the children. He'll still be old, and maybe he'll get better sleep. So he's going to improve his situation. And now the buckaroos and the Camp Cucamonga and all of the friends and relatives know that they can do anything they want. They can wipe their feet. They can wipe their ass with Tony Khan. And it doesn't matter what's best for business. It's just what they want. And as a result, 
the the talent that AEW will be signing heretofore will be one of two categories. Either the Chris Jericho category, I'm going to, on the downhill side of my career, bilk this billionaire for a ton of fucking money. Or the guys who have no, they want to be on TV and they want to play with their friends and they have no choice and they're going to fucking, but the guys who are in the prime of their career, the Cody's who already left, any young talent from the WWE that's been used in any fashion that has any kind of name, that has any kind of future in wrestling, that could be potentially a draw for AEW, they don't want to go there because the buckaroos and I don't know if Kenny's even in on this. I think he's too much of a wishy-washy douchebag to even be mean to people. But the buckaroos and the hangnail and all of their ilk, if you're a bigger star than they are, if you're a better talent than they are, well, there's a lot of those, if you're a more serious wrestler than they are, they don't want you around because they don't want anybody bringing any level of professionalism into that goddamn daycare center. But that's not the thing that keeps people away because they get along with enough people that there are people that would go there. And even the people that they don't get along with, there's other people to work with. I think what you may see keeping people away, people who have options, let's put it that way, yeah. not people who are waiting for any offer they get, is Tony. Because we talked about it early on. There have been episodes like the one we're witnessing right now where it really explodes and people see it. But from the very beginning, there have been structure issues with AEW, management issues with AEW, lack of leadership with AEW. Quite frankly, the guy who owns the company or partially owns it with his dad wants to party with the wrestlers and be pals with the wrestlers and hang out with the wrestlers and then book the wrestlers. But that doesn't necessarily mean he wants to be a boss, and he can't be. So you have... Something where you may make a lot of money and have some great moments like Wembley and then the next week you can go and play a half-empty room in Chicago or you go to WWE. At least there's structure. You'll get frustrated, but you kind of know the order of things. In AEW, it's just chaos and it's a mess. The CM Punk issues may die down now. That doesn't mean the AEW issues are going to die down. No. And and he was just the lightning rod because when you when you have these and you know the buckaroos are the classic. Hey, you're gonna look at Maddie's face, old pie face, the smarmy, self indulgent little fucking grin that he has on his face. They're convinced that they are revolutionary talents in this business in their minds. And then you've got a guy like Punk who. <laughs> has absolutely no patience for bullshit and is not going to let somebody get away with saying or doing anything to him if he can do anything about it, which I admire. And they're fucking polar opposites. And then they've been setting this up because now we find out that there was supposed to be a meeting. Another in-person meeting was scheduled with Punk and the elite to settle the issues right before Wembley and guess who canceled it? The Elite at the last minute. That, that story has come out now. Jim, I have an article here. House of Wrestling, Nick Houseman. You have to wonder if the Nick Houseman business may be going down now that CM Punk's out of AEW. But here's the article. CM Punk and the Elite meeting was canceled 
days before AEW All In exclusive. CM Punk was terminated by All Elite Wrestling today following an internal investigation into a backstage altercation between him and Jack Perry at AEW All In London. His termination from the company comes just a few days before the one year anniversary of his infamous AEW All Out media scrum. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I don't know about the summer of punk, but the ending of every summer becomes the summer of punk. Le- the Labor Day of punk is fucking great. Where he denied rumors he held Colt Cabana back in AEW and took aim at the elite, who he perceived as not capable of leading the company. Following the scrum, punk, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and others were involved in a locker room brawl that resulted in those holding titles being stripped of them and all included being taken off TV. In the months since, tensions between the elite camp and CM Punk's have remained frosty, at best. While Punk has been open to clearing the air, he has been told by lawyers that no communication is welcome. Yeah, remember when he tried to, uh, what did old Twinkle Toes? Yeah. He tried to uh, send out a message to him and got uh, a message back from legal, don't try to talk to Kenny. And not like a message like, hey, I'm going to kick your ass. A message like, hey, when can we talk? Yeah. House of Wrestling has learned that a sit-down with the relevant members of the elite, CM Punk, and Tony Khan was scheduled to take place last week ahead of AEW All In London, but was called off at the last minute by the elite's camp. From what we understand, it was going to take place in Atlanta, and Tony Khan would have been present. The summit was intended to bury the hatchet between both sides ahead of the historic AEW pay-per-view, and the cancellation of it appears to have added to Punk's overall frustrations with the situation heading into the event. This is interesting, because the timeline we were previously given for the incident where he didn't have anyone at the airport to get him was that he flew from Atlanta to spend a day with his wife and dog, and then flew to London. So that means that Atlanta trip, which we assumed was him filming Heels, he was supposed to meet with Tony and the Elite there. And, and this, is, this is also so perfect because we, uh, we recounted the problem he had when he landed there. He had nobody to pick him up. The car was not there that was supposed to be there. The number he was given for the car bounced back. He had to t- he couldn't get Ubers in fucking London with a weekend of Wembley. He had to take the fucking tube train where he got lost and fans were helping him find his hotel. This follows him going to Atlanta for a meeting with these yahoos for them to call it off. No wonder he went home, spent a couple of minutes with his wife and dog. And have you seen this? Now some of our uh, the better detectives are on on Twitter and on the internet, the fans, instead of the investigators Tony has. They have found out the guy who apparently does the travel for AEW, the, the car services and the, the planes and the pickups and the transportation, he's a goddamn young buck jock sniffer. He has pictures on his social media of him dressed up with the posing with the the young buckaroos, and he's one of their disciples. Listen, if you want to talk about people who work behind the scenes in AEW, a lot of them are. Yes, and that's why the place is a fucking mess. Yeah, my wife can handle the merchandise for a 
nationally televised wrestling promotion. Hey, how about my buddy that picks me up in his Pinto? He can handle transportation. Give him a couple hundred grand a year. He'll do it. You fucking moron, Tony. You have been bilked, hornswoggled, taken, shystered, canoodled. So they set this up. They send him to Atlanta for a meeting. Then they cancel it. Then they fly him across to fucking England. And they stick him at the airport with no transportation. Then he gets lost on the goddamn subway. Then he goes to the biggest show of all time. And he has to sit there and watch some fucking curly-headed, fucking entitled little prick mouth off on him on television while he's standing there. What'd you think he was going to do? I'm surprised he didn't football kick Tony in the fucking pussy. <laughs> God damn it. And Tony is not even smart enough to see what his own little fucking minions did under his nose. And because Tony has only in his wildest dreams ever been a part of a wrestling locker room and his fantasies, he sees a fucking skirmish and he sees a guy get front face locked. He's like, oh my God. He wasn't really, even Tony couldn't have been scared for his life. That's lawyer speak. That's verbiage. They're setting it up. They know something's going to court. They're trying to give Tony some kind of defense. In the process, they don't realize that they have outed Tony Khan to the, I don't know how many there still are, wrestling fans that are actually grown to fucking adults that want to see men fight instead of kids play. They've outed Tony that he's a pussy. How can you be scared for your fucking life? Oh my God. As a matter of fact, we haven't even got to that. The, uh, Tony's little statement that he made on collision that was written for him by the attorneys. Uh, that's my favorite part. That was, when I saw that, I tweeted it. I said, I, in, in 50 years, in a business filled with hyperbole and exaggeration, I don't know that I have ever heard one sentence so filled with more of a metric fuck ton of complete bullshit than the one I heard tonight from Tony Khan's lips. I was scared for my life. Well, Jim, we'll play the audio in a second, but I do want to say I disagree with you. I think Tony could have been legitimately scared. How many times in Tony's life do you think he's ever actually been punched in the face? Okay, well, then they've outed him as a big pussy. But I'm serious. Okay, here, but here's the thing. He's in a small but crowded environment at the gorilla position. There are other people around. Even if Punk lunged at him, he's open. He's got nothing in his hand. What's he going to do? Hit Tony with the goddamn open palm death strike that the Chinese kung fu masters killed Bruce Lee with? How's he going to fucking kill him that quick? It's not, about, it's not about reason. If Tony wasn't the son of a billionaire, and afforded oh, I, all, I thought you were going to say son of a something else. No, no. And afforded all the privileges that he has. The football team, the NFL football team, AEW, his analytics business, all these various things. He'd be at home on the computer all day on wrestling message boards. Because he's in social situations and he's socially awkward, that doesn't mean he would be that person if he didn't have all the money floating him. So when you look at him and you think, 
oh, he shouldn't be concerned about this and other. He is, in a lot of ways, you know, we make fun of all the Bixes out there. He's kind of one of them. So the reaction to any violence anywhere near them, I could see, who knows, but I could see him having a little bit of a meltdown because I doubt Tony Khan's ever been punched in the face. And I doubt Tony Khan wants anything to do with a fight, whether he's in it or not. Do you disagree with that assessment? I get, you know, when you lay it out like that, I mean, obviously it's lawyer speak because he wouldn't word it this way, but maybe he no. told him, oh, I was so scared. It's and they say, hey, that's good. Write it down. It's absolutely lawyer speak. And again, right before this is when it all of a sudden leaked out. We have not even released the clip yet. That's how soon this has happened from the story that he lunged at Tony Khan. That story just came out a day before all of this. So again, all the timing of all these things is yeah, always but interesting. The question is, when, this, when all these other stories came out the day of and the lunging was left until six days later, did, did somebody just think, hey, lunge would be a good word instead of him turning around and pointing his finger going, this is your fucking fault, I quit. Take this company and shove it up your ass. Is that a lunge? What is a lunge? Because a lunging, like if you told me someone lunged at someone in my eyes, if I closed my eyes and thought about it, it's kind of what you described as goozling someone. I'm going for their throat. Yes. I'm going to get them like that. That's lunging at them, not taking a step in their direction yelling. Yes, I, I would go for a full-on crossbody as a lunge. <laughs> like, here we go. <laughs> Off the I'm table? Lunging. Yeah, okay. yeah, over the table or whatever the fuck. And again, important note, all of this apparently is on video. And I believe the UK laws, if Punk wanted to, he can get it and release it. So whatever's and, out there that happened is on video, and the parties involved can let us all see it if they wanted to. But, I mean, you know, and here's another thing. It's, it's another example of if Tony would be that frightened by anything like that happening, and he has been a wrestling fan for this long, and he never dreamed anything like this would happen, he's, he's taken a job he's not prepared to do because he's not mentally or emotionally equipped for it. And yeah, it's, hey, the first 50 or 60 times that some of the fans punched me in the face or fucking came after me or fucking bloodied my nose or gave me a black eye or goddamn I was drugged down onto the ground while the cops were trying to pull everybody apart, that's frightening. But that was not people that I knew personally that I was paying millions of dollars to that I employed in a company that I'm the fucking owner of. I wouldn't have been that scared in that situation. It was random, strange people, probably drunk, that I didn't know that were trying to kill me not having a fight in my general area. And again, nails lunged at Vince McMahon. They were in a room by themselves. Damage could be done. This CM Punk Tony Khan alleged lunging, if that's what we're going to call it. Samoa Joe was there. I guess Jack Perry would have still been there. Whoever well, now, the come on, are you, are you asking? I wouldn't help. If, if the only person attacking me was Harley Quinn, I wouldn't rely on Jack Perry for help. Just in terms of how many people were there. At least five sources, right? Brian Alvarez said five sources who saw the thing said this. So there's a bunch of people there. I wonder if he was counting people or the number of eyeballs. So that way, each person gets two. 
So, I mean, that's the thing. How scared was Tony? And like you said, I think he probably could have been really scared because I think any sort of violence at all would scare him. I don't think he's ever had any sort of conflict like that in his life. He's not prepared for it. But with that said, we have a written statement and we have the statement that was released on Collision. Should we just play the audio? What do you think? I, th- I think the, the written statement is a little dry. The audio is, is what's, to me, so entertaining. So, Jim, a couple of weeks ago, with everything that happened with Cash Wheeler, people tuned into AEW Collision, and there was no reference of it. Things just continued on and still have on AEW TV. This time with this, this being such a big story, and word breaking, the statement was issued, I believe, 4.33 and, p.m. Well, and, and, and by the way, he uh, also broke precedent because there was never anything mentioned on television about the first brawl last year. It was never discussed, ever. He never named who were suspended, right? He just said the champions, their titles are vacant. Yeah, so this is breaking precedent on advice of his legal team preparing for war. So less than four hours before this is when the statement went out on Twitter and through various social media sources, I assume. But here is the way AEW Collision on TNT opened up. Today I had to make one of the toughest decisions of my professional career. Today, I terminated Phil Brooks, CM Punk, for cause. This stems from a backstage incident at AEW All In last Sunday. The incident was regrettable, and it endangered people backstage. That includes the production staff, the people who helped put the show on every week, innocent people who had nothing to do with it. I've been going to wrestling shows for over 30 years. I've been producing them on this network for nearly four years. Never. In all that time, have I ever felt until last Sunday that my security, my safety, my life was in danger at a wrestling show. I don't think anybody should feel that way at work. I don't think the people I work with should feel that way. And I had to make a very difficult choice today. It came at the recommendation of a discipline committee here in AEW, as well as outside legal counsel who delivered a unanimous recommendation and i have followed up on that recommendation i'm sorry to any fans who are upset by this i'm sorry to anyone who's upset by this despite that we're going to have a great show tonight on collision and we're going to have a great aew all-out pay-per-view tomorrow here in chicago last weekend was the greatest weekend in aew history this is the greatest week in aew history we're going to continue the great momentum here tonight on collision and tomorrow night on all out pay-per-view well there's the uh the hey, statement take a drink every time he uses the word cause or the word great and in 90 seconds you'll be crocked well cause was certainly put there by the lawyer so over and over again he's saying he had a reason to fire cm punk yeah and and that that's what for cause uh is a, a term that can be used legally it's like he's the one that fucked up we had to do it right but that's that's our defense And uh, go ahead. I was going to say, Tony also tried to give a very similar statement in front of the live audience in Chicago at the United Center and very similar phrasing. Obviously, there were terms and phrases that he was either told to memorize or told to say or remembered from the cue cards. I don't know. But instead of 90 seconds, because he wasn't reading it off the teleprompter, it took him about six minutes also because the people were booing him out of the building like the hunter that killed Bambi's mother. And he sat down in a chair, and I believe it was six minutes in total. Six minutes of that while the people were booing him. Like Spalding Gray with no self-awareness. It, 
First of all, the discipline committee, not even the disciplinary committee, but the discipline committee. AEW has a discipline committee. First, we've all heard of it. Has anybody ever been disciplined before? And who is on this discipline committee that made this unanimous recommendation? Is it Megan? Is it Maddie? Is it Nikki? Is it Jack Perry is on the discipline committee? Who knows who it is? Because there isn't one. They made it up for this occasion. And then he said, I feared for my, not only I feared for my life, but my production people, the production, like Punk was back there with a goddamn hockey stick, waving it over his head like a helicopter blade screaming, I'm going to take all you motherfuckers with me. He snatched a fucking jerk and put a face lock on him. How is that going to harm the production people? Which of the production people has he been known to threaten or been observed threatening? Did he pull some type of projectile firing implement out from his tights and was firing at random rubber bands or fucking those little discs he used to shoot out of the plastic guns or whatever the case and say it was going to put somebody's eye out? The only production person we ever heard that got maybe a minor injury, that guy Topher in the original all-out locker room brawl, he was the guy in there. No one ever named him or anything, but he got, I think, like some scratches maybe. So the point of what in the fuck? It's like that he's talking about a full-scale gang fight. Nobody was going to get hurt that wasn't involved in it. Tony may have been scared, but I don't really think that Punk would have knocked him out. I think he would have told him off, flipped him off. Because this is all Tony's fault. Again, to go back to that, whether Punk is right or wrong about any of these things or whether you agree with him or not, it's all Tony's fault. Tony allowed all this to happen. He let it all fester. He wanted it to happen at times. And if you're frustrated coming off a week where I'm just thinking about how I would feel if I was punk. The meeting's canceled. The meeting that potentially could lead to company, not saving, but company some resolution, Some resolution. Resolution of the issue. Resolution and also potentially something great for the company, quite frankly. That gets canceled at the last minute. You fly to London. You think there's going to be someone there for you. There's no one there for you. Turns out someone who's friends with the Young Bucks runs that department. Interacts with a lot of fans on the way there. No one's had a bad story about that. You get there, you're a gorilla, you're watching the monitor, because what else are you going to do? You talk to Samoa Joe a little bit, you guys know what you're going to do, you're watching the monitor, and there's Jack Perry looking right into the fucking camera, <laughs> saying, real glass, cry me a river. You're like, what the fuck? Right then and there, if I was CM Punk, that's when I turn to Tony and say, what the fuck? Seriously. He may have. He may have. We don't know about that part, because would he have gone over and leaned down with Tony on with his headset on, and what he said, what the fuck is this fucking little jerk doing? Because it's not just about Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy's a part of their locker room. Yeah. He's one of their, their prime stooges. If anything happens, he's on the fucking he phone. He's texting Kenny right away. Yeah. So the question becomes, why did he feel comfortable enough in doing that? Or to do that? They know how volatile CM Punk is. We all know that. Whether you take his side or not, you kind of know what to expect. 
you had to know what to expect if you were Jack Perry. He felt comfortable enough to do that because he knew whose locker room he was going to be in. And, you know, basically, again, Tony's sitting there. Tony should have been meeting. If Punk called it to Tony's attention, let's say Tony was at the monitor but didn't see that particular thing. Somebody else is whispering at him. If Punk called, called his attention to it, Tony should have been the first one to meet Jack Perry coming through. But he's not going to do that because he's not going to fucking tell anybody when they do something wrong. And if, if Tony saw it, then he should have been the first one. But same thing. So it's left again to Punk to go, all right, this little fucking prick. Not even a goddamn guy that allegedly is being presented on my level, but just some mid-card fucking goof that thinks he's hot. I'm surprised he didn't just fucking drop him when he came through. By the way, I'm watching now. I had not seen this. You retweeted it, actually. Very Shawn Michaels 1997-esque. After Collision went off the air, the Young Bucks went out for a victory lap? Yes, I... In Chicago? (laughs) Yeah, somebody tweeted that. that It's apropos of this is how CM Punk's run in AEW ends with the Young Bucks taking a victory lap in an empty building. Do you agree, (sighs) because of a variety of circumstances from all parties, that this is the best outcome, this is the right thing right now for everyone? Yes, because as I said, sometimes the bad guys win. They got what they wanted. Tony's too feckless to do anything about it. But at least Punk doesn't have to put up with these fucking people anymore. And he can move on to, whether it's the Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble or whatever, the the termination with cause, we have to investigate whether there's any non-compete as a result of that or whether that may be tied up in court or whatever. But He can go on because now he's the hottest wrestler in the business as far as people talking about him. And he can translate the momentum that he had and the news that he made and the the attention that he got on WWE television in front of a much larger audience into more money. And he will not be having locker room fights with goddamn people because they don't do that there because they know who's running the fucking show and it won't be him or anybody he's fighting with. But as long as they give him, I would think the end, the level of input that they give the Cody's and the Romans and the whoever the fuck else, then Eddie's got history with Heyman. I don't know how they are these huh. days. I mean, you can't do it with Heyman because he's with uh, Roman Reigns, but he got got fired with cause. So let's play with the idea that he's... But hold on. I didn't mean with Heyman. No, no, no. I know, I know, I know. I know, but what I was going to say is if it was with Heyman, it would be perfect. But you can't... Let's just say if it happened right now, you couldn't really do it this way. But if he was fired with cause, I wish Bobby Heenan was here. You just have someone show up at the end of Raw and say, I have here the championship of the real world the champion. The real world champion. He never lost that belt. The real world champion, CM Punk. But the, but that's what it's, it's, it's better for Punk because he just needs to move on and, and do two years in with the big boys. And he doesn't have to put up with all that bullshit anymore. It's better for the buckaroos and their ilk because they don't have somebody that's going to show them up. 
and get in their way and stop them from doing the stupid things that they do and or just show that they're not the big names in the company. The only people it is detrimental to are Tony, for all the business reasons, and us and all the fans because now we can't even watch a good show on Saturday night. Are we that, still going to watch Collision? I don't know whether anybody's still going to watch Collision. Because it was think, rough. It was rough this past week. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Let's give it two or three weeks to see if it turns into Rampage, and we'll know by then. But it and we'll all, it'll also be interesting to see if they're applying their Wednesday formula to Saturday, the Saturday program that's been holding its audience. Will that happen, or will the same thing happen does on Wednesday? They go, okay, I've seen. 45 minutes or an hour of this fucking same old shit, I can leave now. We'll see what happens to their numbers and to their patterns and to the quality, which we already are seeing. But it, it penalizes the fans and it penalizes us that has to watch it. But it's best for everybody that was making money out of the situation. <laughs> Maybe Punk could run his own show in Chicago. He can call it Somewhat In. Ooh, I like that. Or... How about this? He could do two shows every year. One is see him in, and the other one is see him out. Well, I guess they're going to have to take place Labor Day weekend if we go based on his prior successes with these events. That would be the one where he sees him out. Any final thoughts on this? I mean, it's been such a crazy turn of events. Every time something happened, another thing was reported. Every time you talk about that, another thing happened. It was snake bit from the start, and they knew what they could do. They knew that they could get away with anything because of Tony. Um, and they, I mean, the, the, the Cucamonga kids, the Lollipop Guild. They didn't want him there to begin with. Their good friend, Cole Cabana. Oh, Cole Cabana, Cole Cabana. And they have sabotaged this since the start. It didn't help. The, it, it helped them that Punk got injured because... He was gone the first time. He was gone for a while. If you're out of sight, out of mind. But he comes back and he's still bigger than they are. So they've been engineering this ever since. And they finally got their way. And, you know, that's basically that Tony Khan is going to go down in history as a guy that spent more money than anybody's ever had before or even close to before to start a wrestling promotion, had all these gifts given to him in terms of the right context and, and time for Wembley Stadium and the TV with TBS because now they're starving for viewers and the whole nine yards, and he ends up looking like the star of a German Bukaki flick after all the guys get finished with him. This is Gordon Scazzari times... A hundred. Gordon's Kazari spent a million dollars. Tony spent a hundred. And I was, when they had, Gordon's Kazari just had a goddamn pack of checks in his hand with no register and no checkbook, just writing guys checks and tearing them off as quick as he could that night. I, I witnessed it. I said, I got to get out of here and never see any of these people again. And it's the same thing. 30 years later with a guy with a hundred times more money. And it's. So there you go. Well, there you go. And this has been a special edition. We're going to drop this as a special episode and get right back to recording the episode we were recording 
as all this happened, there are still about nine pay-per-views this weekend and a multitude of events to watch, but I think we can close the doors on the CM Bunk Bunk. The CM Punk beat for the week or the weekend. I don't know. I think he's gonna flip. I think he's gonna be out there throwing puppies off the top of the United Center. He's in Chicago, isn't he? Well, he he has a home there. They're in Chicago. I'm I'm thinking I'm he's going to have a sack of a dozen puppies and he's going to climb to the top of the United Center and start throwing them down to see if he can hit the fucking bucks. Hey, one last question for you before we wrap this up. Based on the limited feedback you've seen already on social media and whatever you've seen in your emails. The people who didn't like CM Punk, the fans I'm talking, who were just all about the bucks or maybe just not about the drama. Whatever it was, they didn't want CM Punk there. Do you think they're as happy as the fans who feel disappointed and upset with either Tony's decision-making or what Collision now is or the promise of AEW, whatever it is? Are the people happy that Punk is gone happier than how upset the people or disappointed the people who are disappointed are? I don't know. I don't think so. Me neither. Me neither. Because a lot of people, um, you know, obviously the the buckaroo bonsais out there didn't want punk and they're happy he's gone, right? And he was the root of all evil and, oh my God, he let violence solve something in the wrestling business. All that, whatever. But there are so many people now that even if they were on the fence or whatever, this statement and Tony... if, if most of their audience, I would think, is male, and every adult male is good, you were scared for your life, dude. Seriously, and the discipline committee, and just that Tony comes off like such a putz. He's a wishy-washy, no bass in his voice, you know, distracted-looking fucking guy. I'm sure he, you know, he's very nice and friendly, but a lot of people are making fun of him now because it's. Again, scared for your life and a discipline committee. And let's see the video. Here's something else. The, he did not tell what the incident was. He made it sound like, I don't know if Punk might not have a case for slander because when he made it sound like that people were scared for their lives legitimately and production people were in jeopardy, it sounds like he pulled out a goddamn assault rifle it nope. sounds like there was chaos going on it sounds like he's telling punk's lawyers all the various people that need to be sat down and talked to in a deposition is what he sounds like yes but but what i'm saying is you the viewer that didn't read the internet will think my god what did this crazy man do it sounded so ridiculous or it sounded so over the top so a lot of people are making fun of tony because I was scared for my life, and it just—he's just such, such a Casper milk toast motherfucker. A lot of people are pissed off that this couldn't be handled or settled. A lot of people are. Oh, wait a minute. If you have, think about this. They have backstage attacks three or four times on every program, and nothing ever happens, and they never even get mentioned again. Sometimes, but this time. The biggest star in the company that a couple hundred thousand people are tuning in to see, the owner comes out and says, they got to fight backstage. I had to fire him. We were all scared for our lives. 
Goddamn, show me that on the show then. It must have been better than the shit you show me normally. It None of it makes any sense to a variety of people. Grown adult men think Tony Khan is a pussy and a coward. Uh, fans who wanted to watch for CM Punk or just wanted to watch for a goddamn decent wrestling show are disheartened and disgusted. And everybody looks like a complete idiot. They made bigger news than drawing 80,000 people to Wembley Stadium, and nobody even saw it. How stupid do you have to be to do that? And this is why WWE doesn't take Tony Khan personally seriously. Bingo, the kid. That's what I've been saying all along. And that's why six months into this thing, the WWE stopped offering everybody a fucking fortune not to go because they saw what it was and they saw who he was. And they said, okay, we've been through this before and it was a stiffer fight then. We got nothing to worry about. How big will Cody versus Punk be in WWE? It'll be ginormous. Those two promos, are you kidding? I, I can't. Who else can the WWE bring in that will cause more stir and draw more attention and provide us with a little, uh, any more entertaining promos in the wrestling world today than CM Punk? That's uh, Hulk Hogan. Or, or maybe Shibata and his missing brain. He, it's not missing. Again, we have to go through this. He has the brain. All right. So Shibata comes in and brings the brain in a box or a wheelbarrow or whatever. It's in his head. It was returned to his head. It was returned to him. I'm sorry. I forgot. It was overdue. They had to pay an uh, overdue fee. But yeah, who else Who else in the world of wrestling? I'm, I'm just going to... This yeah. is my comment. Who else in the world of wrestling can the WWE bring in to legitimately do big business with and try to make money with and not some past their prime broken down Japanese legend or some indie darling that everybody's going to turn their nose up and fart at. And the answer right now in this environment is CM Punk. Well, we will see what happens. There's some background noise. I apologize for that, but we weren't supposed to be recording today and we won't be recording much longer. This is the special edition update. CM Punk fired F-I-R-E-D, as they say in professional wrestling. But until, I guess, the experience... Until somebody else gets fired, we're going to go back to doing the show we were doing a while ago, and the experience will come out before you know it. That's right, or before someone knows it. But for Jim Cornette, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!